The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. We're back after... A week-long hiatus, uh, and we're looking forward with none other than Andrew Sadarnovsky. Thank you. you. You have a busy schedule. I saw your lineup today, and, and we appreciate you taking the time to, to join the Habs Eyes on the Price crew and, and uh, give us your insights to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Pat. Habs Eyes on the Prize is obviously home base for me, so I'll always gladly come on the podcast. Uh, it's good to be back. Well, you you are branching out, and tomorrow you you'll uh, do an intermission talk of the the rocket, right? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I got uh, asked to talk a little bit about uh, the the uh, farm teams and their systems for the NHL teams, the AHL affiliates, the ECHL affiliates, and just get a general conversation going regarding you know teams' different uh, philosophies regarding developing their talent. Um, it's something I've been thinking about, and and. Uh, we haven't really discussed it before, so so let's just go with it. But uh, are NHL coaches bad at developing talent compared to other coaches around? I'm, I'm looking, for me personally, I'm looking at European coaches and, and especially SHL coaches. And it seems to me that mm-hmm. NHL coaches, they're very good at maybe polishing up that last little bit, but they're not really used to developing talent. And is that, that might be down to the schedule and and you know it's a top league of the world so it's difficult maybe to to really develop and give everyone a fair chance but but for me it seems like there are other coaches out there that are better at developing talent well i'll put it like this is it an nhl coach's job to develop a player or is it his job to get the most out of the players he has on the roster See, uh, it, there's two development leagues. You have the AHL, you have the ECHL. If if a player is too raw to play at a you know at the NHL level, at the best level in the world, then he shouldn't be on the team. Uh, if the organization believes that that player has developed sufficiently to be a productive member of an NHL team, then fine. But I don't think it's an NHL coach's job to you know slowly get him up to speed and teach him a thing or two. Uh, if a player is on an NHL roster, he's NHL ready. Uh, and he should, and he needs to do everything in his power to not only remain ready but get better. And that's the that's the role of a professional on an NHL team. Um, that's why some players they take longer to develop and stay, spend uh, spend more time in the AHL. Some players that are at the NHL level, you know, maybe the organization. Uh, misjudged their their skill level or the development stage, uh, and and they just weren't ready. Uh, I think we saw that with with Ryan Paling this season, where the the team, you know, initially sent him down to Laval because he he wasn't ready, and they recalled him in November, and he still didn't look good, and went went back to Laval. 
Uh, and now he seems to be on a on a semi permanent role in Montreal, but he does not look like a player who's NHL ready. He he was recalled because of uh, of a lack of options. If if Alex Belzil was healthy, then you know he would probably have been the one to be called up. If Phil Veroni wasn't injured, he probably would have been the one to be called up. Uh, I think Ryan Paling was was third or fourth in the in the call up order, but it just happened to be you know he happened to be the player that was available so he's in the nhl right now but uh, i don't think it's claude julian's job to to develop him he's he just use him for what he's got uh, and, and try to maximize that talent but is it media's focus on on early draft picks like kotkaniemi uh, as an example and, and push players into the team maybe a bit early Oh, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I'll, I'll use Montreal as an example, and there's other cities as well that uh, expect more out of their draft picks, such as Edmonton and Buffalo and, and probably other cities as well, where, you know, you assume that a player drafted high up first overall, second overall is an immediate impact NHL player, or even uh, Capo Caco in, in, uh, in New York. You know, uh, it takes time for players to develop. Uh, players that are drafted higher obviously have a certain um, skill set and, and, and natural ability that will allow them to compete at an NHL level. But, you know, a coach will play them on lower lines because there's still some learning to be done. Uh, to develop a player takes time. And I have nothing against scratching a player that's not nhl capable uh in favor of someone that is i mean last night uh Kanyemi was scratched but he's having a, a bad year and is it close julian's job to you know help him along or is it his job to win uh to put the best players in place to win and i think the answer to that is that it's his job to to win and scratching Kanyemi yesterday made sense because he had the option of, of shifting max domi back to center of Using Nick Suzuki at center, uh, Phil Dano was obviously your top line center, um, and the opportunity was there to sit down Kotkaniemi, who's having a bad season, and, and let him see things from a different viewpoint. Uh, I don't think it's Cole Julian's job to to insert a player and and you know and take and like take it easy with him, give him easy assignments, you know, kind of slowly bring him along. Uh, if if a player is not capable of of having an impact with the team, or if there is a better option, then the NHL coach must take that option. That's his job as a professional to ice the best team he can. I, I get your point, and, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but I also think that you know if you play in a top league in, in Russia, in, in Liga, in, in uh, SHL, you, you are going to be able. You you are developing players as well, and and mm -hmm. that's you, you, at the same time there you're playing to win yeah. the championship. So, yeah. so you're developing you're developing them by giving them experience versus developing them by by teaching them in various scenarios. So yeah, there's obviously a level of development in the NHL where they gain experience, but uh, if that player uh, they're not going to go let's say for example play on the power play for the first time ever um, during an NHL game. They're going to develop slowly their power play skills either at the HL level or during practice in NHL. Like this, the, you don't you don't throw a player to the Lions if he doesn't have that kind of experience. Indeed, uh, and and looking at it because obviously we're looking forward a little bit to the draft. Um, the whole or fan set base wants just to tank, and there are difficulties with tanking as well. We heard that on on Buffalo Radio the other day, but. Uh, Tanking can set a tone for the team as well, and you can't bring on too many bad contracts in order to get more draft picks and, and help the tank along, if, if you want to call it that. 
because the it's 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 in the foundation as well and you you want to be able to to switch over and win so the win that montreal got last night uh, against uh, sabers yeah in one way for the draft it was bad but maybe it's good to not just tank and and let the season run out i'm worrying a little bit about detroit not not that i'm a detroit fan but this is the worst team we've seen in nhl for ages and they, they might have to change out the whole team because yep. the experience they've gotten by losing, losing, losing is going to eat in their minds at one point or another. Well, of course. You know what? Part of a of a winning culture is not giving up. Uh, and even if even if Montreal's chances of making the playoffs this year were were 0%, the fact that the team refuses to lose or refuses to die and doesn't give up and keeps playing and keeps playing and keeps playing to win, that will that will bring up the youngsters in a winning environment. Yes, they may not win, they may not make the playoffs, but they're not being brought up in a losing environment where the veterans have given up, where the veterans don't care anymore. That You'll never see that in Montreal where Shea, um, where Ke- Shea Weber or Carey Price will, won't care. You won't see Brandon Gallagher stop caring. These are players, veterans, the core of the team that the youngsters kind of look up to as their mentors. Um, they're players that will never give up a game. And that's what you want players like Paling and Kotkaniemi and, and Mete and Fleury and all those, those young, youngsters coming up. You want them to grow up in that kind of environment. So for, for Mark Bergevin to toss in the towel and for Claude Julien to toss in the towel in the season and just like, you know, play Paling 20 minutes so he gets experience, whatever, you know, he'll get the experience, but the experience will be in a, in a scenario where the team has given up. And that's not the right experience for these players to have. You want to bring them up in a winning environment. And winning environment means not giving up. You know, you can lose. It's possible to lose in a winning environment, but it's how you lose. It's, the, you know, the close games. It's not giving up. It's pulling your goalie because you're so close. And, yeah, the losses are starting to pile up. And playoff expectations are lower and lower in Montreal. But I, this team, I maybe can count uh, two games this season where the team was out of it where they were never in the game. Otherwise, they're always in the game. They're always challenging. They're always competing. And, and that's the environment you want these kids to, to, to come up in. Look, and, and what we just spoke about, about winning culture and, and getting to the draft, et cetera, et cetera. Even if um, you, you get a top three pick in the draft this year, maybe you let that player rest a little bit and don't bring him over to, to the to the. NHL team directly and fans mm-hmm. should really be prepared for that that's what I think if you look at it like uh, Holtz uh, and, and I'm just going by the Swedes that I'm watching most of anyway mm-hmm. Holtz is, is on the first line in Yugoslavia, and his numbers are inflated he's not NHL ready Raymond he's not taking a, a solid spot in Frölunda I don't think that he's NHL ready and and Gundler which is a favorite of mine He's definitely not NHL ready, but he, he has he's he's an interesting prospect to keep an eye on for, for any team that drafts him or, or every team before the draft. So so but even if you go top three, I mean Lapiniere is the only one that I can see going straight into an NHL team this year. 
Mm-hmm. And, the, and the draft is so unpredictable as well. To, for the fans to, to wish for the team to tank, to improve their chances at a draft pick, I mean, you're doing two things. One, you're going to create a losing culture on the team. You're going to wish away any sort of uh, competitive uh, spirits on the team. Two, you're hinging all your bets on the draft lottery turning in the favor of the team and see you're you're hoping that the draft pick you know turns out to be a, a franchise player like people saying trade trade away tatar so you can you know and try to get a, a pick in return well you're what you're doing is you're trading a known commodity a player who can put up uh, you know first line minutes and put up you know about 30 goals a season and then you hope that the draft pick you get in return can kind of turn into the same it, it, it's a lot of um Oh, I'm going to sound like Mark Bergevin here, but it's a lot of video. It's basically like a video game management. Now, we're seeing a generation of people that are used to playing general manager mode in, in a video game. Uh, and, and they just and there's, there's, there's a bigger picture to be seen here, and that's the, the culture creation. Uh, and as a result of that culture, I mean, look at, look at Ottawa. It's, that's, that's a difficult culture to be in. The fans have given up completely. They don't show up anymore. Uh, the players are still fighting, but they're young. They don't have that veteran experience in the locker room. Detroit's a, dis- a disaster right now. Buffalo's not getting any better. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's something to be said about having a team of, of veterans and younger players that don't know how to quit. And, and I think that's where Montreal has, has a long-term advantage even if in the short term it means getting a slightly worse draft pick. And, and the fact is that this year's draft is quite deep. All right, uh, Lafreniere is probably a franchise player. He's number one. There, there's not going to be any doubt about it. Uh, but, but after that, it's going to be a little bit slower. And people yep. need to prepare for that. And, and we, we all said that we thought Kotkaniemi would, would be in Finland the first year. He surprised us. But the sophomore slump that he's having this year, and, and for me, I'm as a European, I always think that the co- the, the coaches and the, the, the GMs go out there and they say, put on some muscle, and they don't tell which muscles. And the, <laughs> the, the player will have to buy their own help, uh, trainer for that summer, mm-hmm. and it might not be the perfect trainer. I know when Lekkonen came over to, to Frölunda, it was the same thing. He had to start working out on his skating because he had all this power in his legs, but he didn't get it out in the skates. So, so you need to. It's not just build up some muscle. And I think this is an. In, you invest in, in draft picks. You draft. You, you impress him. You, you. You get players, but you need to take care of them. And, and sooner or later, especially with a with, you know, an organization that Montreal has, you need to say, you know, we're, we're setting you up with the best skating coach. Or, or the best building coach in, in, in Finland or Sweden or Russia or, mm-hmm. or, or, or Manitoba or, or Vancouver or whatnot, because you are on our investment and we, we want you to succeed and this is the way we're doing it. Yeah, and Scott Kadiemi put on something like, what, 20 pounds in the offseason? So, A, he was dealing with learning how to skate with that new frame of his. Then he had some injuries. You know, he, he's just having a bad year and, and last year, like keeping him in Finland, that was obviously the option. Keeping him in Finland, would he have done any better on a team that was as awful as the Aces were last year? No, probably not. And you could have, as he was a first round draft pick, you could have kept him in, in AHL, which probably yeah. would have been a, a very interesting thing to do. Uh, yeah. And and I see that more of as as a, a solution. But obviously, you don't know uh, how bad um, asset would. Would would be if before the season and the, the 
they obviously it was his father that was the coach but at that point you could probably and i'm not sure about this but i think you can send him over to finland and when everything goes you know poo yeah then (laughs) then you can bring him back uh into the ahl team uh, yeah, but then you're kind of you're messing with this consistency as well. You kind of if, yeah, yeah. If for, but, but for for younger player to bounce around is is also not great. No, nah, but I, I think you know, if I was the GM, you'd probably give him to your dad to, to his dad and say, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're you go. good, go there. But when when at that point you go, no, you're coming back here. We we're gonna look after you. Fine. Uh, it's it's just. It would take another week for him to get acclimatized again, but but after that, you you get him close, you have him there, and you probably build up an interest around the rocket, or even more interest around the rocket. I shouldn't say an interest, more more of an interest. True. From a marketing perspective, having a first round draft pick play in your AHL team is is huge, um, just from that perspective, and also kind of gives him an opportunity to to develop a little bit slower and have. The various experiences of of a that you get on an AHL team. I mean, what's different on an AHL team is that you know you you kind of learn playing every scenario. You know, you don't necessarily specialize as a as a power play player at the AHL level. You'll play some penalty kill. You'll play some power play. You'll you know you'll get a bit of every situation. You'll do you know if you're if you're a forward, maybe you get a few faceoffs here and there, just to develop all those different skill sets. I think I think Kotkaniemi came somewhat fully formed last year he was young he was fast he was exciting and i think he blew us all away and you know last year we thought the montreal did the right thing to keep him this year you're kind of looking at the season he's having it's like well maybe they shouldn't have brought him so fast but uh we'll see well hopefully hopefully he doesn't follow the alex galchenyuk model of of his first years being his best indeed and and looking forward we're friday night here in europe and and you're midday over in in montreal um but uh, for for once, we have two Madden games coming up and, and two games back-to-back. It's against the, the Panthers uh, tomorrow and uh, against the Blue Jackets on Sunday. And it's, it's a bit of travel. It's matinee games. Montreal rarely plays matinee games. So, so it would be interesting, especially for the mm-hmm. European fans, that we'll get to see them at 8 o'clock at night. But uh, you, you have this that... It is interesting, and it's is this the season-defying weekend? I'll put it like this: in in a sense, yes. In a sense, every single game is from this point forward a season-defining game. Um, they are currently eight points out of a playoff spot. If you if you want to look into tie-break situations, and you know, so the, their destiny is not in their own hands. They need the teams ahead of them. To start to, to lose continuously while they win continuously to make up that gap in points. Two of the teams that they're chasing is the Florida Panthers and the Columbus Blue Jackets, the two teams they're playing this weekend. So in that sense, those are two massive four-point games that they're playing uh, Saturday and Sunday. So if you if you want to, you know, ask whether these two games will define the season, I think so. You know, you may go from an eight-point gap to a ten-point gap to a twelve-point gap if you're not careful, if you don't win those two games. So, over after this weekend is done, we'll know what position Montreal is in, whether they're in fighting distance or whether they're well off. Because you know, after that, you play the Devils, which are you know not great, the Ducks, which Western Conference, so that's a two-point game, and then you have the Leafs again, and that's another team they're chasing. 
So the next, uh, you know, three of the next five games are against teams that they're chasing in the standings. Uh, and the, the next week and this weekend, first of all, definitely because two point four, two four point games. And then the Leafs again uh, by the end of the week, you know, we'll know where they stand. And it's a long travel as well, I think, right? From yeah, yeah Florida, Columbus, yeah. Yeah, but is it, are they playing Ducks away or at home? Uh, home. All right, so so it's not like so the, a Western me, road trip, at least. So, so. No, exactly. The only, only only away game they're playing next week is in New Jersey, so that's not too bad. You fly into Norfolk and uh, or down, yeah, and then you uh, you're there. Indeed, and and looking forward, this is you know, there, there were talk about offers for different players. Mm-hmm. These, it's it's this week where where it will be decided more or less where, where Montreal I, I think will so. be where Montreal will be at the trade deadline. We will have another episode for that down the line. But right now, uh, thank you, Andrew, for taking some time off of, of of your day to help us out with this pod, um, and for from from us here in Europe, we we appreciate Montreal having a few early games and this is Patrick Bexel and we're signing off from Iceland Price Radio thank you Andrew thank you Patrick good night